We do our Bible Institute on Wednesday evenings here. And um, we have a Bible Institute, 770 students as of this morning from all over the world. And uh, studying hard, you can earn an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree in ministry. It's all free. There's 111 or 12 courses online now. That's growing as we go. And um, you can take them at your own pace. We do this on Wednesday night. And we are currently working um, this study and the weekend studies into courses. So if you're here uh, partaking in these courses, you want to register online, you certainly can. And you can take them for credit if you want them to take them towards a degree. There's a little extra work, but not much. You've already got the most of it down. If you've listened to the lecture, you just got to answer a question and do a little tiny extra bit of reading. But you can earn uh, a degree and it's free. Not many of those things happening anywhere else. So we are doing a study now called the Epistles of Paul, and um, we're going to look at, uh, we're looking at together the letters that Paul wrote. This works pretty well um, because we're doing a, on the weekends, we're doing a study of four of those letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. But uh, here on Wednesdays, we're going to tackle the 13 that Paul wrote, so we'll try and do pieces of each of them, and sort of that'll help us... uh, if you're doing the one study, the other study will kind of fit alongside it and help. Um, Romans is, uh, there's a lot of doctrine in Romans, so it's a good book for us to know and understand. We can learn a lot about that. Remember, Paul was writing to churches, and um, most of the time when he writes his epistles, he's writing back to churches that he started. And uh, if you read the history of Paul and his journeys, and, and you read about him in the book of Acts, you find out that he would go to a town and he would um, start to preach, usually in the synagogues. And uh, in the synagogues, as well as Jewish believers, there was groups of people known as God-fearers who were primarily Gentile. And um, they would sit in, and usually in the special section in the synagogue. And uh, they believed in the God of Abraham. And Paul would um, preach to the Jewish uh, people there. And some of them would come around and believe. And uh, some of the God-fearers would come. And out of that group, he would generally um, get kicked out of the synagogue eventually, sometimes very quickly, sometimes it would take a little while, and uh, he would go off somewhere else. They would meet in a house or somewhere, and a church would start, and then he would get run out of town. Before he left, he would appoint some leaders to continue to preach the gospel, and, uh, and then they would have questions because the church was a brand new thing, and so they weren't sure what they were supposed to be doing. And um, they would ask Paul questions. He would write them back. And that's what we have primarily in the epistles. He's writing back. Um, the Romans is a little different because he's writing before he actually goes. And uh, he's just connecting with the churches there. He's heard about them. And um, he is writing to them about issues that, that are very important to the church and still are to this day. So uh, all of us as believers really should spend some time in the book of Romans. I want to pick it up today in Romans 8. The ends of Romans 8, beginning in verse 28, and uh, this is one of my favorite verses. Of course, I say that about a lot of verses, but uh, Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I like that verse because to me, it's a picture of how God takes situations and um, He can work them in ways that we can't imagine why we're going through them. And uh, and so even the difficult things and the hard things, he can weave into his story, which we talk about 
quite often. And we're going to talk some more about that here in a minute. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Conforming us, um, he's conforming us to the image of Christ. And in effect, Paul is telling us there that God uses circumstances uh, to make us more like Jesus. That part of this life is working through situations that God can take them and use them, all of them, the, the good stuff, the hard stuff. And in it all, he can help us to um, learn to walk this walk in the way that um, he's called us to. And, it, and he uses life situations to do that because that's what we're presented with. Uh, and so um, that's part of the amazing thing of God is how he takes the good and the bad and uses them in our lives. Now, one of the issues that we need to be aware of, and there's several things that we need to talk about today that um, have some uh, conflict in the church, which is fine. We can handle conflict if we do it appropriately. Uh, and in, in areas where we disagree uh, that aren't like the main, main things, uh, then, then we can certainly love one another and, and we can allow the Holy Spirit to help us over time to figure out where we need to uh, sort of understand and grow and what that looks like. Um, but one of the things we need to be aware of is the sovereignty of God, that God is sovereign. And what that means is that all things are under God's rule and control and that um, nothing happens without his direction or permission. It's a pretty big thing that we're having to... Um, take into the fact that God is sovereign, because then you'll start to say, well, then why do bad things happen? And we struggle with that. Well, if, if everything is under his control, uh, why is he allowing stuff to take place that isn't good? And, and why has it persisted for so long? And um, that's where we need to sort of get back to the fact that we're not God and he is. And uh, when God originally created everything, it was perfect. He said it was. And then we chose to mess it up. And we've all chosen to mess it up over time. And when it did, it, it wrecked everything. And um, because we had the opportunity to choose whether we were going to love God or go our own way, that's where the impact comes. And so, so God has allowed then this mess, but in it all, remember, it's a redemptive story. Even the first three chapters of the uh, Bible are about paradise uh, and, uh, and then ultimately paradise lost. And the last three um, chapters are paradise restored. You know, the, when you read the Bible, the Bible's so amazing. It's amazing how it, it happens from end to end. Um, you know that that in the very beginning you have God and, and you have a you have a bridegroom and you have a bride, but the crazy serpent is there, messes everything up. But in the end, in the restored, you have God and you have the bridegroom and you have the bride. And the good news is, serpent's gone. And so you start to see this is the beginning and the end. And then everything in between is a story of redemption. How God is weaving things into play in order that fallen. People have the opportunity to respond to get reconciled to him. And that he makes this way is one of the amazing things about God. But God is sovereign. God created everything and, and uh, he set everything up. And he's still in absolute control of everything uh, in the process. That's the sovereignty of God. 
but a lot of people will struggle with this. So I, I like to tell people that, that he's absolutely in control, but he's not a micromanager. And by that I mean if, for most of us, because we're, we're all finite in the way that we think, if we were to look at something and see that there's a beginning and an end, and the end has to happen this way, people start to think, well, then, if it's going to have to turn out this way, then everything has to be planned. And it has to fit a certain pattern. And people will start to go, and if all of that is true, then why am I praying? And what difference does it make? And am I making choices that make any difference? And how does that happen? And why does God invite me to pray? And what I always tell people is, God is so fantastic that he can still weave everything into the completion that needs to take place. But he's given us room to make choices on this journey because that's one of the things he gave us is the ability to make choices. So, so it matters how we choose, how we pray. All those things make a difference in the world. He's still sovereign because he started things and he's got a plan for bringing them all back together. But um, in this process, uh, while we wait for Jesus to come back, um, there's, there's a lot of different things. So you absolutely have the ability to make choices and you, uh, how you pray has an impact on things that happen and you're still very much involved. I had someone actually email me this week and, uh, I thought it was interesting because this email was a Monday says, Hey, Hey again, this was the email. We know that God is in control of everything and he does what he pleases and he knows the beginning from the end and Even though we may plan our course, he establishes our steps. This being said, how much control do you think we really have with our decisions, whether they be good or bad? I know I feel as if I'm making my own decisions, but am I really? I think no, and I'm I'm really good with that. Not that I will ever be able to comprehend all that God is, but the more time I spend with him reading, talking, and listening, the more amazed I am at how he works and who he is. So I prayed about that for a minute. This is how I responded. Good to hear from you. I actually think we're in full control of our decisions, which is why we so often choose to go our own way. Just like Adam and Eve had a choice to make in the garden, we have choices. What I think is more important is that God is able to somehow use the decisions we make, even the bad ones. He's somehow able to take all the right steps and all the wrong steps and still weave them into his story. That's how amazing he is. Just my thoughts on the issue, and I sent that back, and... That response was pretty well received in the process. So it's interesting that people are having these discussions. I've had that discovered lots of people about, well, if everything is all worked out and God is sovereign, why, why do I have to pray? What difference does it make? It makes a big difference because um, there's lots of different ways to get to the destination. Lots. Uh, I think I've told you this story when uh, years ago I was praying about all these things and I was driving in Houston uh, to the airport in rush hour traffic in the morning, which is not good. Uh, and uh, we were running. I thought we had left plenty early to miss rush hour, and we didn't. And I'm so I'm, I'm on roads that I don't know. It's a rental vehicle, which I don't know very well. And we're going through, and I have the GPS going, and there's 10 lanes of traffic maybe doing feels like 110 miles an hour bumper to bumper. <laughs> so that's an exaggeration, but not much. And we're whipping down there, and I'm, I'm in a lane, and uh, the GPS is on, and without notice, the GPS says, okay, you need to exit. Well, that's just not going to happen. There's absolutely no way for me to get from where I am in the short period of time to where I need to be to 
to get off the, the highway. And, and so I missed that exit. And you know what the GPS does? It goes offline for a minute and says, recalculating. And then comes up with another plan, which is like, okay, go off right now. Well, I'm not even close. I haven't even moved over. And we, we finally, I don't even know how these lanes are working, and there's special lanes and overpasses, and we're whipping down. I have no idea where the airport is. I can't get out of traffic. I, I take an exit, and it's into a bus terminal, which wasn't good. Everybody's honking. <laughs> I'm not obviously supposed to be there. The GPS is spitting things at me. Finally, we end up in this really weird part of town. I'm like, we're never going to get to this plane. And the GPS is saying to recalculating and the GPS is all mad at me. You ever have one get mad at you to the tone changes recalculating. Come on, get it together. And all of a sudden we pulled into a back entrance to the airport. We were there. And, and from that, you know, I was praying about that later on, how how often I made the wrong choice on that trip. And yet I was still able to get to the where I needed to be. God is like that. So, so don't ever think that you, your choices don't make a difference. They do. Don't, don't ever think that you've messed up so bad you can't get back on track because you can. Because that to me is the idea of the sovereignty of God. He's totally in control. Things are happening, but, but we, we are involved in this process and we need to be praying. That's why he tells us to pray, you know, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it was an option, um, we wouldn't need to be praying that. Now, another thing that happens in Romans and in the epistles, uh, and I was just, we're going to be in Ephesians 1 this week on Sunday, um, the idea of this concept comes up, and maybe you've heard it, it's, it's, um, it's about the elect of God, or, uh, so it's called election or predestination. If you've been a believer for any length of time, you may have heard of this, uh, this idea because it causes conflict, because there's different ways of looking at what it means, and it also ties into this idea of the sovereignty of God. So um, the reality is that in election is that God chooses those who will be saved. And, and I, I believe that's true. We've talked about that, that you're chosen in him. Uh, and, and the way I think it works, this is how I think it works. Everybody has the opportunity to, be, uh, to respond to the gospel, and those who respond are chosen. Not everybody agrees with that. And so there, there's some conflict in there. And so what I just described to you um, would be a, a view of um, this process that uh, is known as um, sort of the, the future view of the whole thing uh, in, in what's going on in that because God knows the beginning and the end and that God is outside of time, he already knows who's going to respond to the gospel. And so he's, he's backward looking when it talks about um, being predestined in that whole process before the foundation of the world, it says. The other view, and, and so that view is normally known you know, by Arminius, was really big with that view, that everybody has an opportunity to get saved. Well, the, the other view was founded by Augustine, uh, the saint, but um, was really built by Calvin, and um, Calvinism, in effect, says that, that God has um, elected those who will be saved. So he's chosen in advance who's going to be saved. So he's chosen some to be saved, and he's said some aren't going to be. And um, a pretty significant part of the church believes that way. 
And, and I, I, I always back up, and that doesn't, I, I'm okay with this whole process. Um, the, the, the difference really boils down to this, is that who has the ultimate choice in salvation, God or man? Now, the, the, that one view, Calvin would say that God has the ultimate choice, and if he wants to choose who's going to be saved, that's on him. He can elect who he wants, and he can tell other people they can't make it, and who are we to question God in the process? Ar- Arminius would say everybody has an opportunity to respond um, because that's why he gave us choice in the first place. And that, that doesn't take away from his sovereignty that we still have the opportunity to respond in the process. So, so you will hear people get really stuck on these things. And it's caused a lot of problems in the church uh, and, and causes division. So sometimes when someone, um, I told you how, how I really feel. I think everybody has an opportunity to respond. And that when they respond, they're chosen. That's how it works. Um, but we'll have people often who have the other viewpoint. That's how they've been raised, and I'm good with that. Where I usually, and I always, I'm always trying to find agreement. So what I'll say to them is, do you still think that we need to be out preaching the gospel? Because the, the big argument is if, if he's elected, who's going to get saved? They're going to get saved no matter what. Why are we doing all this other stuff? Because it shouldn't, doesn't make any difference. And, the, and what they get back to is, no, no, they still need to hear the gospel in order to respond. It's going to happen somehow, but God will use whoever to get to that point. And so we need to keep doing that. And so I'll just back up and say, okay, so we're, we're, in, we're in total agreement then that we need to be preaching the gospel and do these things to reach people. Yes. Well, let's just hang out on that. And, and if everybody has a chance or if you only think some people have a chance, I can live with that. Let's just get the ones that we can get and we'll, we'll figure it out later. And so that will diffuse some of them and some of them will just be madder at me. But that's the way it goes. So, but you'll hear people that will talk like that. I, I've taken a lot of courses and they oftentimes they'll, they'll want you to insist that you're one or the other. And I will usually go, well, there's some ground here in the middle, and that just makes everybody mad too. But uh, let's not fight over things that aren't the main thing. People need to know Jesus. Yes? Yes. Good. Then, then really, if we got that, we're good. Uh, everything else will work out. And I'm not making light. If, uh, if I, I, I don't mean to offend anybody just then. If you're, I, I'm good with it. I understand it. It's cool. We're good. Let's just get people to Jesus, and that one really doesn't make a difference. All right. So... Uh, Romans 8, 38, 39 says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, the present or the future, any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Powerful passage of Scripture. And to me, I, I, you know, I, I'm all in with that. If you are fully in love with Jesus, he's got you, and he always will. And you can rest in that. Something very, very comforting in that. Um, not everybody would... Totally agree with that. But, uh, I, I, you know, where I get back to on that again is if you, um, people are often concerned that somehow we are, um, that grace, the understanding of grace leads to people thinking they, and we talked about this last week, remember the, the um, antinomianism that where they can just do whatever they want to do? I don't, I just don't think that's the deal. When you love Jesus if you you change, you you no longer desire to go and do those things you have. And if if you're in this thing and still looking for loopholes so you can go and do stuff that you you know you shouldn't be doing, you you need to get back to the basics and get connected a little better 
with Jesus. Because I, I think when you're really connected, that doesn't become the issue. I'm not saying we don't choose to do the wrong thing, because we do sometimes. But it's not our heart any longer. And so, you know, I often will talk with people when they're looking for loopholes and go, why are you looking for a loophole? I, it's, it's, you know, just settling the fact that he loves you and do those things that please him and you'll be good. It's, it works that way. So, so people struggle with that. Um, then Romans 9 through 11. Fascinating read. And a lot of this stuff I was just talking about pops up in, in these chapters. Uh, let me just read the first uh, few verses of chapter, six, uh, chapter 9. Pardon me, I'll read through verse 6. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It is not as though God's word has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Now, what Paul does in these next few chapters, in 9, 10, 11, is he starts talking about um, the people of Israel and, and how Paul's anguish is that they're, by and large, rejecting Christ as the Messiah. And, and yet his heart is for the, the, his people. And so whenever he goes into a town, like I told you, he always starts by going to um, the synagogue and to the Jewish believers to give them an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And, and only when that is sort of shifted does he bring it and, and really go after the Gentiles at that point. He's always going after his own race. And he said he, he, you know, he'd almost, he's almost be willing to be cut off himself if he just get them in. And, and he goes on with his discourse. Another conflict that arises in the church, and you, you may or may not know this, is that some people um, believe that the church is the new Israel. And they, they try and um, sort of work... Uh, into the church dynamic, the promises that are for Israel. And what I would believe in this is that church is not Israel. Um, uh, Israel is still Israel, and the church is the church. And that um, the church is a new thing that um, Jesus has brought uh, in, into us. He, remember, when Jesus came, he first, too, went to the Jews who rejected him. And then um, with his disciples, he said, I will build my church. Now, there are some... Um, definite threads that run the same, uh, you know, when, when you start looking about how Jesus brought all this into being and you, you look at how um, God weaved the nation of Israel into being, there's a lot of similarities in how these things started, um, but they're separate. And, and so I think we need to be cautious in applying um, specific promises to Israel, to the church. We, we need to make sure that we understand that there, there are two things. And then as you read that way, you'll start talking about different branches being grafted in and what it means. Somehow, there's a remnant of Israel that is weaved into the story um, in the end. Uh, and, and so at some point, there's a place where they come. And there's a lot of Old Testament scripture that point to that. And they realize, in fact, that Jesus is Messiah. And, and so um, there's a remnant that comes to Christ. Does that mean they all do? No. And he even says that when, you, when you're reading Romans 9. A lot of them, he said, real Israel aren't descendants of Israel. They're, uh, by nature, they're the ones who believed in the promises of Abraham, which is the messianic line that, um, and thread that brings us to Jesus. So um, those are important chapters to read and understand. But as you read them, 
try and keep them separate, the idea of the church in Israel, and don't, don't let that slide into the whole thing uh, of the whole process. So there's a lot there that's going on, and it, it does um, help a lot with the understanding of the redemption uh, the, that we've been talking about, the threat of redemption that's, uh, that, that is you know, moving into Jesus, uh, who's a descendant of David, who's a descendant of Abraham. Uh, and, um, and, but what Christ has done on the cross is significant, not, not only for the Jews, but for everyone that we, we're all in now, uh, and uh, we have access into the process. And, and we, um, we were just in Galatians, a verse like Galatians 3.29, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So um, we're grafted in, but we're the church, not the new Israel. Uh, like I said, there are some similar patterns in there, but things that we need to know in the process that uh, are important. And then we move into Romans 12. And most of you know these three verses. Um, these are great verses. I've already said that in this passage. It's my favorite verse. <laughs> at least right at the moment. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed... By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So um, we're, we're not to conform to the pattern of this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And uh, the, the, the term... The biblical term there would be consecrated. We're to, we're to, consecration, uh, it means separating yourself from the things that are unclean, in effect. And so this is the dynamic. Some people take that to an extreme, and they think that means we can't have contact with, with people that um, uh, aren't, aren't believers. And yet then we, we lose sight of mission. So that's not the idea. The idea is this. Uh, to be set apart, to be consecrated, means that you're yielding to the Holy Spirit and that you are continuing to allow Him to lead you and guide you and train you and help you to grow and mature and be changed in this life. And that we're not stuck in the ways of the world and the culture around us. And, and so we need to be aware of that because you understand that the culture has a huge pull on you. Um, this culture is, especially now, because we almost can't escape from the bombardment of the opinions of our culture because they're constant. They're, uh, people have them on TV and, and, and on the radio, and, and the, there's people's opinions just basically being tossed at you all the time. There's been a shift in our culture from when we were kids. And, you know, I'm not getting into the fray, but, you know, there was a time when... I'm not even going to say it. So uh, I decided not to get into the fray. But, like, news and stuff, I, you know, I, I get my headlines, and then I pray I don't want everybody's opinions on that because they can get me swayed into the spot. And then I get pulled into the culture in a way that's not good because... Uh, 
this is a, you, you ever think it's kind of an angry world that we're in and and sad and not very nice and, and it's just sort of trying to pit people against one another and we're looking at differences instead of the things that bring us together and where we're, we if we as believers lose sight of the fact that we are the recipients of the good news and and it's on us to share that good news with everyone not just the people that we like or who agree with us on things um, see then then we have to make sure we're not being conformed to the culture but we can't separate ourselves to the part where we have no impact because then we can't be people of mission so so we we need to trust in the fact that the holy spirit will empower us to live in a way that's uh, authentic and sincere and not judgmental and critical but allows us then to speak into people's lives when they ask us and most of that is by loving them well and not just sort of judging them offhand but but loving them well and understanding that that people are in all sorts of different places and and, and particularly people who are not yet um uh, spiritual you know we talked about carnal and and uh, unregenerate people and all those things last week those were the terms that were used people that don't know jesus yet uh, they, they they act differently and that's we just got to understand that and not just run into the whole judgment thing and then even after they get saved they they might not shift immediately anybody here get perfect almost immediately no so you're still not some of you've been doing this a long time i've been doing this a long time i still got i realize i got a long way to go but but um i i make progress i I tell you i'm making progress because the holy spirit is changing me it's got nothing to do with me it's because i'm i'm yielding to the holy spirit over time and he's working things out in me but there's still a lot of things that need to be worked out so so because i know i'm in progress then I can hopefully treat people where they're at in, in ways that gives them an opportunity. I'm not perfect at that either. None of us are, but, but we need to understand this. So when we read about consecration being set apart, um, it, it means just that. We, we don't want to be, um, we need to challenge a lot of the filters that we have in us that have come from us culturally, and we need to ask ourselves all the time, is that how... God would feel about this situation? That's a great question. Um, years and years, I, I was so influenced by other things that I hadn't even processed through the fact that those weren't the right filters. They were just the filters I'd always used. And, you know, uh, I came to Christ at 25, but I had a lot of, uh, prior to that, uh, less than great filters in place. And I, I didn't know how many of them needed to be challenged and, until the process happened. And so, and still some, I think, well, where's that coming from? And, and uh, I need to look. Is that how God would do this? Is that what the Scripture says? Is that what the Holy Spirit is telling me? Is that those things? So all of that's part of the process that we're to be doing. And um, I think as long as we know that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, then we, we don't need to be afraid of being dragged into the culture when we associate with it. Um, but, but at the same time, we're, we're not going to be defined by it. And so that's part of what Paul's talking about there in Romans 12. All right. That's enough for today. That was a lot. I talk longer than I expect. That happens. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. If, you, uh, if you're in the area, come and see us this weekend. All right. God bless you guys. Bye.